Welcome to Duct Tape and Paperclips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. Yes, and this week we are breaking down Season 3, Episode 19, The Endangered. Yes, which first aired on May 2nd, 1988. We're going to find out how it holds up, but first, let's catch up a little. Annie, what's going on? Oh my gosh, so many things are going on. This is the summer for me of... Uh, meeting new babies and going to weddings and yes. after two... And then also moving, right? And also moving two, after two years off from the pandemic, like every person I know is having a gathering uh, mm-hmm. of some kind. And so this summer has been so crazy and I'm actually... um. Looking forward to fall when things are going to slow down a little bit. <laughs> it does bit feel a little more. bit like people are tempting fate. They're like, let's have a super spread where everybody's vaccinated at this point. You I know? mean, like, I, well, the, this is one thing I I should mention. I got COVID at. Oh, you yeah, did, right. For the second I time. I got COVID yes. for the second time at a baby shower slash yeah. super spreader event um, that my friend had. Oh and God. dear God, I mean, I had RSVP'd no to this thing. And. I get that last minute text of like, hey, because of course, like it's the summer. Everyone is super busy. So like if you have an event on a weekend in the summer, you just know that like a certain number of people are not going to make it because they have another thing that's going to take priority. It just is kind of how it goes when you're throwing an event in the summer. So I get the text. It's like, hey, we've gotten a lot of no's. Is there any way you're available to come out to this thing? And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll come out. Immediately catch COVID-19. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. How many other people at the thing got it? At least five that I know of. Oh, my God. So Jeez. true super spreader status, um, including oh. one person, thank God she's okay, who was hospitalized, um, oh older uh, gal. So um, that was horrible, including the pregnant uh, mother-to-be from the uh, baby shower. Wow. I can't imagine. I can't imagine having an event like that and being pregnant and then giving yourself COVID because you wanted a baby shower. Uh, no no well, judgment. Well, <laughs> in, in her in her defense, it was it was really her mom wanted the baby shower, and that she, is oh what a surprise. That is what <laughs> happened. Uh, yeah. And you know, I I do have a lot of sympathy for trying to like please your family, and then you mm-hmm. know you yeah. feel horrible because you wind up giving a bunch of people COVID, and I mean, who knows where it originated, but like. Yeah. yeah, man, you guys got to do the rapids before you gather in a large group because yep. uh, this is avoidable. I know, I know, I know, but I'm looking forward to uh, fall as well. Um, it's finally like here in Vermont just turned a corner like overnight and now every, every night is cool and every day is like it's starting to become like long long sleeve. Yeah, weather, you know, it makes it makes a big difference for me. Like I, you know. For me, stand-up always kind of takes a backseat in the summer because I have got a million family obligations and weddings and whatever to do. And so, like, I'm always kind of relieved when, like, my weekends open up again. And so I'm starting to, like, book my fall with shows as opposed to, you know, uh, friends' weddings. (laughs) Yes, totally. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to just being – it's so dumb, but I'm not a homeowner, but I might as well be because I, I rent a house that right. has all the same responsibilities as a homeowner. And as the summer goes along, just everything, including like insect life, just grows <laughs> and exponentially. So like I am now finding myself here at the end of the summer, just like fighting battles with like like insects getting into my house. Mm-hmm. That I'm looking forward to getting cold enough that that no longer is a problem. There are like 
three crickets in my basement that are making the loudest fucking noises and I cannot find them. There are bumblebees in my walls that I have to figure okay, out and trying to get rid of. That is a nightmare level <laughs> scenario terrifying. for me. Like I can't like a bumblebee yeah. in your wall is just something uh, <laughs> No, no ants. There's ants everywhere. Yeah, you know, because you leave one situation. dish out. Of the ant. Yeah, yeah, that that is bad. And then like I'm I'm kind of counting down the time. Like it's going to be five weeks um, until I close on the apartment that I'm buying awesome. and will have a permanent place to live. Which is um, that's great. If you know the last couple years of my life, you know that I have not had a permanent place to live, and it's been yeah. I've been feeling a little bit rootless, kind of not having that dedicated space and so um i'm yeah. really looking forward to that awesome uh well let's get into this episode and let's talk about it it's the penultimate episode of the season um how sad we're almost there uh, <laughs> and uh i would love uh to hear a summary of this episode for those people who might not have seen it yes this is like truly the most uh next to last uh episode of a season that <laughs> i can imagine uh and so let me penultimate fill you energy. in um on what took place after a brush with death macgyver heads to the mountains to try to reconnect with an ex-girlfriend karen a park ranger together they run afoul of poachers who are killing bears on protected land after karen is shot and wounded she and macgyver must survive in the wilderness and take down the poachers Yes, yes. Um, and what makes you say it is truly next to the last episode? Because, of the you know, for me, like, regardless of the quality of the television show, I feel like the second to last episode is always about kind of the emotional journey of one of the characters. Like, so it, it's a big emotional episode, you know, where mm-hmm. you're kind of trying to um, get to some like truths about the character and what they want um, before we have to do the last last episode which is going to be either if it's a a story driven show it's going to be tying up all the loose ends and getting Mm. to that like climax of the season or if it's a show like MacGyver you know you can probably expect like an action packed sort of like this is going to be a very MacGyver MacGyver episode (laughs) so this is kind of a chance for him to kind of like pull back spend a little like time with the character and you know so we get a classic MacGyver on vacation uh, episode, which yeah. uh, which are a little different from the ones where he has a mission. Of course, he finds a mission uh, anytime he's on vacation, as <laughs> stumbles right into one. Yep, at length. Um, and we also have the checkbox of we've got an old girlfriend, uh, which yes. <laughs> is a theme <laughs> as old, well. Yes, an old girlfriend who uh, never got over him. Mm-hmm. Um, and despite having moved on and gotten a, uh, herself a boyfriend at the end of this episode still is clearly kind of still in love with him. Yeah. And who he clearly never got over and is not taking no for an answer. (laughs) I mean, that is the elephant in the room with it. That is the biggest problem I had with this episode. And I'm sure you did too, but like, it's so funny because you do kind of think MacGyver is this sensitive hero who does like understand women better than most like male heroes of television shows. And I think that's what they wanted. They wanted him to feel kind of like a sensitive, like modern man. And then you get into an episode like this where like he shows up, he has told her, I need a friend. I need a friend to crash with. I'm having a rough time. She's like, come on up. And then he gets all super butthurt because she never told him that she has a boyfriend and it's yeah. like of course she has a boyfriend and what why is that a problem? years and later he's expecting clearly, her to still be waiting around and- right and then obviously like is his what does he want out of this situation did he want to re like get back together with her and if so why did he like tell her the lie that he just needed a friend you know to hang out with 
It just, and he spends the entire time just pouting and like making her feel super guilty for not having told him that she had a boyfriend. It just all feels very like entitled. And I mean, I'm sure it was very uh, common for the, for the time frame, but like now with it, like looking back, it just, it seems like if a guy treated you like that, you'd be like, get the fuck out of here, man. I don't. So for me, like this is, this felt to me like, like the writers of MacGyver inadvertently stumbling backward into mm-hmm. what a lot of men who claim to be feminist and claim to be, be very <laughs> progressive are actually like, by the way, yeah, like I cannot yeah. tell you how many times I've experienced something exactly like this where, sure. you know, a man is, is coming out of the woodwork and mm-hmm. is not really hearing the information that you have a current romantic partner is like, yeah, 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 I know. But I like, I have this deep emotional well and I, you know, yeah. we're actually better suited for each other. And it's like, no, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Um, Honestly. And I, I will be hundred percent honest. I have also perpetrated that in my past. <laughs> I fully hundred percent have made women feel very uncomfortable by f- making them feel like they're somehow obligated because I have feelings toward them. It's mm-hmm. taken me a while to like grow up in that respect. And I feel so embarrassed when I think of how, what a f- absolute shit heel I was in that, in that way. Um, and when you, yeah, when you look at this, it does feel very incel E, you know, <laughs> like somehow it's like her fault that she's not into you right now, dude. Like, yes, it feels like very nice guy energy of like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm right. the nice guy. You should be with me. I don't care about your, your dumb boyfriend. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. that, um... no, I mean, you're embarrassing me just by saying it that way. Cause that was like my whole identity. Like I'm the nice guy. Right. So like I deserve, yeah, Oh, it's awful. I mean, yeah, I could, I could rattle off a list of a million people that I know who've done this to me yeah. or friends of mine. And it is, it makes you so uncomfortable and you're just like dude like there's a reason it didn't work out between us and you do need to just kind of accept that so that that was actually really hard for me to watch and I also feel like especially if you are a person who um is in like progressive circles you see this Mm -hmm. a lot with people who with men who sort of like proclaim to be better than this but then find themselves in this same kind of dynamic. Um, Interesting. So there's a problem that it. still needs to get addressed. This in, is definitely yeah. still an issue. This is definitely like still a thing. I mean, I guess it doesn't go away, right? It doesn't go away be- just because like people are getting more and more woke. Like if you build the entire patriarchal society around telling like straight men that like the world is your oyster and you deserve mm-hmm. everything in the world. When I think back to why I felt that way and why I, I acted that way, I chalk a lot of it up to the fact that like like the messages I was getting my entire childhood and growing up and everything were just like, you're entitled to this stuff. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I don't think that goes away just because you see yourself as right. somehow outside of it, you know? And I think there's a lot of dudes out there still in present day who are like watching Andrew Tate videos and are just like, I'm the alpha dude. But for every guy who's like that, there's a man who thinks he's outside of that somehow and that he is more evolved and that he is more deserving of female attention because he is is not the meathead jock guy. And so that dynamic doesn't go away simply because people become more aware and, and can speak in the language of kind of um, emotional intelligence and awareness. Like often people are using that language of boundaries and, you know, uh, understanding they've been to therapy, they're understanding it, but they're still playing out the same dynamics, you know? And so that, 
that doesn't go away. So that's why I think this is actually one of the most does it still hold up episodes that we have seen because I could and have seen this dynamic play out a year ago. You know, this what you're saying is unfortunately it does still hold up. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm saying (laughs) it absolutely still holds up because there's always gonna be, you know, the ex-boyfriend or ex like, you know, I always had a crush on you type of guy who is gonna come out of the woodwork and is gonna be like, I I know you have a boyfriend, but like I'm really the one who understands you. I'm really the one who deserves your attention. Oh, that's so sad. And that's, you know, I don't want to like gender it so much like this is something I have seen play out in the heterosexual relationships that I have been a part of for sure. But I am also sure that this dynamic exists sure. in all kinds of, you know, I mean, it's got to be the worst and, you know, straight white guys uh, have got to be the biggest perpetrators of it. Um, but it's, in- yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting to hear you say all this, that like there is a, uh, there's still a sensitive guy who is not getting it. Um, yeah. And I think now like they've, uh, many of them have learned to use the language of getting it. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're not playing out the same type of sure. uh, entitlement dynamics, which is the, yeah, the yeah. thing that can be so insidious. And I find so interesting about it is like, just because someone knows what gaslighting means and someone has learned the term boundary and someone can kind of (laughs) like speak in these terms doesn't mean that they're actually like living these values, you know? Sure. Yeah. Like there's that moment when he like, he comes back and he says, how you doing, honey or whatever. He calls her honey at one point when he's like checking in on her. And I'm like, man, well, so let's go back and let's talk about this episode, uh, um, the rest of this episode. Um, it starts out in this nightclub, which I love. I will. I love a I good loved 80s nightclub the scene. scene, too, because it was just <laughs> the most 80s nightclub yeah, scene you just can imagine. The neon lights everywhere and there's fog in the room and there's like everybody's dressed up and just looks very cool. Um, and then there we actually see MacGyver's trick fail, which is kind of a, a nice thing. Um, I mean, between the last episode, which I didn't say in the, in the last episode, but like there's finally something MacGyver doesn't know how to do in the last episode, which is change a diaper right so he like fucks it all up with duct tape and in this one he actually like comes up with this we know what he's going to do we know he's going to light these two shots on fire and throw a fireball and he can't get a match to save his life which is fucking great and then somebody pulls out a 45 caliber gun handgun in the middle of a crowded nightclub and fires at him point blank range and misses which is uh phenomenal i mean just like who does that but it 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 shook shakes him so much it shakes him so much that his trick didn't work and that he almost got killed uh this time around it shakes him so he has to like seek out some old ex-girlfriend and go to the woods to try to like yeah (laughs) classic macgyver has to go think about it in the woods and has to reconnect with an ex and and all of this pouting in the woods is like a theme in this show yeah the man pouts in the woods with the best of them i think that it is sort of a head scratcher as to why this particular brush with death is the thing that puts him over this edge when he almost gets killed on a weekly basis. But, you know, we don't need to dwell on the why of it all because (laughs) it's MacGyver. (laughs) Yeah. So he goes in and reconnects with this woman that he is expecting to be um, at his beck and call and available uh, as soon as he deigns to show up. And uh, she's moved on. She's moved on. Her name, by the way, in the show is Karen Miller, which uh, I laughed out loud at because uh, that is my sister-in-law's name. That's my (laughs) wife's sister's name. Um, And I grew up with her. She's my age. Um, uh, So that was a funny little coincidence. But um, and uh, also there's I'm sure you caught this. There's a moment when she that we established that they had a couple of years in college together. Mm -hmm. And then she says something about 
him walking out three years ago. I know. I mean, <laughs> that does not add up. the only thing I could think uh, is that they kind of had some often, you know, on again, off uh, again. Yeah. Um, they cut that part out or something. Yeah. That, yeah like yeah. relationship through the years sure, because that, sure. you know, certainly tracks with MacGyver's track yeah. record of kind of like popping in and out of women's life through the years. Totally. And the idea that this man is 25 years old is no. laughable. <laughs> not. Um, but one of my favorite parts of the episode, it's so dumb, is when he figures out that she has a boyfriend by by putting his foot next to the boot that is by her door. And it is so much bigger than his um, that he's automatically emasculated and threatened by this boot. Uh, which I love. It's just like, oh, you got a new big dick boyfriend, do you? Yeah, exactly. And and of course she fucking does. I mean, <laughs> of and course of she course, does. you know, she's a hot yeah, warden or whatever. It's yeah. ridiculous the idea that she is not in a relationship and she's waited for you. Um, yeah, but I do yeah. kind of I was tickled by this idea that you know, he is feeling threatened because it's not something we see from MacGyver a lot. Like right. he does not cower in the face of, you know, MacGyver is not often cast as the beta. Um, right. So this idea right. that he is like in this situation, he's like, oh, this guy's got a bigger boot than I do. Um, <laughs> it's just I funny. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah, there were a few things that, that worked pretty well. Like that, I thought, that it, you know, they're clearly keeping this guy from us, the Sam guy that she's now dating. Mm -hmm. He comes in, we only see him in, in silhouette. He chucks his cowboy hat on the... I love that scene because MacGyver is sleeping in like the guest bed and he hears their whole conversation that happens like when Sam gets home from work or whatever. Which I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I thought that it was effective of like seeing MacGyver pretending to sleep and seeing his face react to things and, and hearing their like end of the day conversation. It was just like a way to get the plot moving without like your yeah. typical exposition. And I thing. also think that it really was important to the story, especially since MacGyver is typically the alpha and is typically, yeah. you know, the, the main guy. It was kind of important that we don't see much of the boyfriend because then yeah, yeah. you're immediately going to be comparing them. You're immediately going to say guy, like, yeah, MacGyver is better than this guy or you know yeah, yeah. um and so it, it is nice to have him be this kind of like off camera like oh this like yeah. big bad and i thought you know? for sure they were doing that and we will talk about why they were doing that but i, I thought for sure the reason they were doing that was because he was going to end up being like one of the poachers or whatever yeah, yeah, and yeah. the fact that he wasn't I, I give them credit for that but um so you know, she, she's obviously doing incredible work with bears and owls mm -hmm. and everybody, you know, <laughs> everything else. But, you know, there's a, a moment where they're walking in the woods and she's talking all about this bear that they're, tra that they know, you know, I don't know, it's a preserve, right? So they, they've named all these bears and they're tracking them all. And, uh, and then suddenly she sees the, her favorite bears print and it has blood in it. And she yells poachers and goes running so fast. I'm like, this bear could have stepped on anything sharp. Like why, how did you know from one footprint that there's poachers involved? Um, and like three seconds later, we see poachers loading this poor dead bear into their pickup truck. Um, we've just spent five minutes talking about what an amazing bear this is. And now we're just seeing it like unceremoniously dumped in the back of a pickup. So we can take our animal cruelty count for this season from 909 animals <laughs> to 910 animals. Ugh. Or if you don't count the 900 sheep that died, off screen and kill zone we can we can say 10 animals so far have it's been still that's killed, still too many even if too it's many. just 10 that is still too many too for many. 19 episodes yeah and too many for like a, a show that cares so much about yeah. conservation and animals I mean, they're doing it to show you they're bad i understand that but to see it 
is rough, man. It's rough to see them loading a dead bear into the back of their pickup. No, it does not feel good. Um, But I did love this character, um, this MacGyver's ex character, because like this is exactly the job you would want uh, an ex of MacGyver's to have. This is exactly the kind of like capable, badass, you know, lady who you could imagine MacGyver with in another setting. So I think that was all perfectly done. Let's remember, she used to be into fancy dresses and stuff until she met MacGyver. And he was an outdoor nut. And yeah. that's why she became such a badass because she dated MacGyver and he, he makes his imprint on everybody. He uh, does. And, and it's always really important that we have to cast any love interest as not like other girls and she doesn't yeah. wear makeup and she's actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, cool and quirky because we have to devalue anything that's feminine. I mean, that said, she's still hot hotter than the average forest ranger right yeah well let me tell you that's that is always going to be the case i mean we always have to put uh traditional hotness on a pedestal but we also have to devalue anything that is you know classically feminine so this idea that she would wear a dress or she would wear makeup or she would have you know her own interests outside of macgyver is like no 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 we don't need any of that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to the script's credit, like she's in the right the entire time. Yes. He's being a whiny bitch. And the entire time she's like, dude, why should I have told you I have a boyfriend? I have a life now. Get You know, whatever. And then he right. sulks off, realizes he, he has hurt her feelings and feels bad about it. And then he stumbles into this, what I find the funniest part of the whole episode, into a game restaurant where they only serve game mm-hmm. that is on the edge of this forest preserve where they're trying to preserve animals and macgyver is somehow the first person to discover that something shady is going on because they're serving bear steaks at this place <laughs> next to a place that's like conserving bears very fun and we learned this by uh he he saunters up to the bar i loved the casting of this like nebbishy jewish tourist and his plump wife like like being weirded out about the bear steaks and then the server sidles up to macgyver and asks him what he wants by saying and i quote what'll it be cherokee um so uh, I got to say that doesn't hold up. <laughs> no, it really, it really, 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 really does not. Uh, that is not, yeah, not it. Uh, um, after the, after the native forward episode, a few episodes ago, that is. Uh, which also was problematic as we was, discussed, yes. but this yeah. was, yeah, not great. And also I, I would be remiss if I did not pull. Po- uh, point out that is not how poaching works like you do not go into a reserve <laughs> to, a to, <laughs> to poach something and then serve it right. at a restaurant like right, that is right. not that is not a good return on your investment no. as a poacher like you're you're serving a bear steak for in 1988 <sighs> prices i assume 10 bucks like what oh. are we doing yeah I, that's a really good point because like whenever you talk about like illegal poaching it's always for something high like of high value like the yes. coat or the ivory right it's exactly. not for the meat <laughs> it is not for meat the most yeah. like low cost disposable thing, yeah. aka like just a a very casual restaurant. Yeah, I should it's point like, out, it's like, a, like, it's like a Ponderosa. It's they like, have like a, a Ponderosa steakhouse. steakhouse. Like this is not <laughs> like at least make it like a speakeasy, white yeah, glove, yeah, right. James Bond. You know, you go right. under. They have human meat there. They exactly. Have, yeah. They're like <laughs> e- eating this forbidden stuff, and everyone's right. like dressed to the nines. Like that yeah, would make yeah. some semblance of sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, this is. <laughs> just you're poaching but you're poaching just for a fast casual restaurant (laughs) yeah uh that's a good point um 
so so we the poachers by the way uh we get to see don davis again who uh, mm-hmm. we talked about in um blow blowout is that what it's called mm-hmm. he's a cement truck driver in blowout but he's also more importantly um uh pete's stunt double and I've, i talked in the last episode about how he ended up acting more and more and then he ends up uh, mm-hmm. with a major role on on Richard Dean Anderson's next show. But um, in this one, I just found it very funny because he looks just like Pete, uh, but they put this like red hat on him that doesn't suit his body type at all, just to kind of like make him look a little different. And he has the most distinct and awkward run. He runs kind of like a duck or something. Mm -hmm. It's very strange. Um, Like when he's running through the river, everyone else is sort of sort of bounding and he's running at a full clip, like through the, but he's got this weird gait. Uh, I just find him very awkward to look at. And, uh, but he gets some good acting going on in this episode and like they give him a little more to do, which is cute. Yeah. And for like a stunt person stepping in, I was impressed. I was like, okay. This episode has a few stunt people in it. He's one, the main stunt coordinator plays one of the like random wardens and mm-hmm. there's one more that we'll get to. But uh, how do we feel about like the, the the true bad? There's always one kind of like evil guy. Yeah, I mean this, yeah, this villain was so, you know, we've talked at length about this so I won't get into it. You know, what makes a really effective villain on this show? And for me, like I love the big character of it all. Like I love a Murdoch. I love, you know, we had mm. that female villain um in in the nuclear power plant episode that i just loved um so that is what it really takes for me to get invested in like a villain story this didn't have it yeah he just seemed like a garden variety uh redneck yeah exactly Um, um i think i was thinking about when i was watching this why did why do i love the woods episodes so much um and Mm -hmm. i was like i don't know why it didn't occur to me at this moment but like i grew up in the woods and when i watched these episodes i would go out in the woods and pretend to be macgyver and like being on the run from bad guys and trying to cover your tracks was something I could effectively play as a child because I had like access to the woods. And I would say in the suburbs for me, that was a pretty um, common game. You go into the park or that has like a a wooded kind of area. And yeah, it's something that you can play as a kid. Like you're running away from somebody and you're trying to hide and you're trying to cover your tracks. Like that is a very common like kid game in the woods. So that's what makes it like fun, you know? Yeah. It makes it relatable as a kid. Um, when the when the poachers get out of the truck and aim their rifles at deer, and we see a reverse shot of the deer, it is like a 1965 nature documentary. It's it doesn't match in any way, shape, or form. The light, the color, the landscape, nothing matches. It's so comical, which is incredible because like you're in Canada. Like you have access yeah. to yeah. so many deer. Um, well, by contrast, earlier in the episode, they are hanging out on a riverbank and there is legit a full bear, like a live bear yeah. wandering around behind them. I don't think that was a, a special effect. It doesn't look like it. And they, they have an owl just kicking around. Yeah, like, so you can't just, get me a deer. Yeah. The, um, yeah, that, that did not work for me and, and it seems a little unnecessary, but you know, I'll tell you what they could get was two dead deer because we now see them bringing these dead deer out of the woods. And there is a moment where Don Davis, it like has it over each shoulder mm-hmm. and like puts it down. And I looked at that shot a couple of times and I'm like, I just don't see any way that that's a fake deer that like looks like a no, real that looks like they hooked deer. up with some hunters and were yeah, like, right. "Hey, can you just we like carry deer. out this dead deer that you like, just before shot, you, you skin know? The, skin the deer? Could you yeah, give it can to we us just... for this one shot? Yeah, but it was unsettling and brings our 
Animal cruelty count to 912, or 12 if you don't count the 900 sheep in kill zone. So here we are. Uh, we've now uh, mistreated or killed 12 animals this season. Um, and uh, and then she gets shot. And then Karen Miller gets shot. Um, yes. I mean, even I know during hunting season, you don't go out in a tan coat. Because <laughs> um, I don't think, it, I think it's meant to be kind of like a reactionary sh- shooting and not like a malicious one he just sort of no like whips yeah her and i don't think and... it's like she's being hunted by these guys like i didn't get yeah. that sense i thought but she, it was he does like... want to go back eventually and kill her but for real but this was kind of an accident the thing that kills me about this is that he macgyver makes zero effort to stop her bleeding he is making rags on sticks he is pulverizing <laughs> colored uh, colored uh stone to make a signal and the entire time she's fucking bleeding out yeah, on the she's ground she's bleeding out and he is trying to do all of the other uh errands yeah. that need to be done in the woods and you're like what are oh you my doing? god dude make a tourniquet out of something she is bleed like they're following the trail of blood honestly and she is losing consciousness and he's like this is he's telling her all he's giving her a science lesson on all the fucking rocks oh he's gathering God. up and like it is I very would be like, funny. yeah man this is why it didn't work out between us yeah. uh, you are not yeah. good in an emergency uh when yeah, it comes you're to this prioritizing woman. the wrong things um I, oh but don't worry he's gonna put her under a pile of leaves so they don't find her and then um we get to the end, which of course we finally, you know, but there were a fair number of like cute little MacGyverisms where he mm-hmm. like, you know, he slingshots some tranquilizer darts and builds a timer and builds a fake, uh, a fake person out of a, out of a coat, you know, and ultimately takes them down. And then we get to that big reveal. It's not even a big reveal. It's sort of an, it's sort of an afterthought, but like we finally get to see Sam and what he looks like. And yeah. surprise, surprise, he looks just like MacGyver. Yeah. Um, and there's a reason for that, and that is because that's MacGyver's stunt double. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, that that makes a whole lot of sense. And yeah, of course, we have to, if they're not going to end up together, which they're not, because MacGyver is not going to end up with anybody in this show. Right. That's not, right. he's not MacGyver if he settles down with somebody. But of course, he has to leave a wake of a million women who are obsessed <laughs> right. with him. Yeah, um, yeah. Of course, she's never truly gotten over it and is going to find somebody exactly like him. Like, that is right. just classic just with a bigger dick <laughs> like i said i appreciated the fact that he didn't turn out to be one of the bad guys i appreciated that they didn't vilify him the whole time and that he was also a nice guy just happened to look just like macgyver right um i did have a little bit of an issue with just like that handoff it's literally like at the end she's still I- injured and macgyver sort of like hands her over to sam and i know it's supposed to be kind of a sweet thing but it still feels like okay so she's just the property of oh totally like it has to be like a symbolic like if this yeah. were a different show it would be macgyver giving her away down the aisle yeah, um right. at her wedding like that yeah. it's the same energy yeah he's like i've saved her life and i've had a great old time with her for this last uh whatever it's been yeah. uh, i'm giving her back to you yeah <laughs> i've i'm done with her uh yeah. here you go <laughs> yeah yeah and then we get the little goodbye um when he's getting on his seaplane at the end and she has no uh bandages no limp no nothing she just is totally 100 percent fine at this point um which ostensibly it would be like the next day right yeah like- i mean <laughs> it wouldn't be a macgyver love interest if she is not hardy enough to bounce back right. from a True. gunshot wound um immediately. maybe he knew that all along he knew it wasn't a f- he did say it was just a what like a 
flesh wound or something. Like a, in the but yeah, she, she was grazed or whatever it was. She's but still bleeding the whole time. Yeah, I don't she know, was <laughs> bleeding. Um, and again, uh, but here's the thing. Bleeding out is not hot, Nathan. And we have no, to no. Uh, <laughs> prioritize her hotness above all else. Yeah. Right, right. Um, the, here, here's a fun piece of trivia. The woman who played Karen Miller in this episode went on to be a writer and producer uh, of Breaking Bad. Oh, cool. Among many, many other things. So she had a terrific career after this, uh, much better than anybody else in this episode, I think. So uh, <laughs> so she gets the last laugh. Um, and th- also another thing I thought was was interesting was that this is the one of the few spec scripts that, that they ever bought. So this mm-hmm. guy was not a writer on the show. He wrote the spec script. He pitched it to them and they basically bought it and filmed it, um, which they almost never did. And this screenwriter went on to write the movie Flatliners. <laughs> oh my gosh i have yeah. seen that i, I bet you have, have absolutely <laughs> seen that yeah 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 the recycled actor count uh increases in this episode so the number of actors we've seen in previous episodes of macgyver who've come back as different characters in this episode go from eight to ten um don davis we already talked about we saw him before in mm-hmm. blowout as a cement truck driver and the guy who plays earl the whiny little guy who doesn't really want to go along um the bad guy we saw him in jack in the box um, I think he might have been like the informant in Jack in the Box mm-hmm. in the prison camp or whatever. Um, and he will play three more characters in this uh, show, the last of which appears in like four more ep- four episodes. So eventually they use him like four different times and then they eventually find a character for him that, that like they want to keep coming back, bringing back. So we'll see him a bunch more. Um, that's all the trivia I've got. Is there anything else about this episode you wanted to talk about before we read um, it? I like, I have to say I liked it. Like we're going to, we're going to rank it, but I liked yeah. this episode because yeah. you had a lot of MacGyverisms. You had a MacGyver love interest that felt very true to the show. I mean, I got to yeah. say for a spec script, this was like, right, you, right. I would not have thought the and this is almost better than a, a, <laughs> a typical script because it's somebody who actually like has studied and really cares airs um you know all these episodes so i think uh it's pretty good all right i scored it a little lower than i think i here's the thing i'm looking back at my notes and i wrote in the middle of the notes why am i bored this is a pretty (laughs) active episode is what i wrote like there's a lot going on and at some point or another and maybe it was all the whining and complaining and maybe it was uh that i was having a hard time uh liking macgyver in this one as he left yeah. this poor woman and you were coming to ground. terms with your own uh bad behavior in the past oh maybe it was that too yeah yeah maybe i, I was like me tooing myself um <laughs> but uh i did find it to be like a little bit plodding and not quite uh as as exciting as it i mean it, there's a lot going on and but it, having a lot going on doesn't always mean i'm invested in all of those things true um so anyway i gave it a six and a half okay so I'm I'm a little higher than you. I gave this yeah. one a seven because I thought um, the acting from the MacGyver love interest was pretty good. I was yeah, pretty was um, taken in by her. I I believe it was believable. I liked um, the woods aspect of it. I liked the MacGyverisms. Whenever we have like a survivalist episode, sure. we typically do get more of that like classic MacGyver stuff. So um, so yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I'm glad that you enjoyed. All right, that's about all we have time for. Uh, before we get out of here, any plugs or anything you want to tell people about? Um, people can follow me on social media, uh, Instagram and Twitter at Annie M. Russell, and you can find out what I'm up to there. And um, yeah, Great. what about you? Um, they can find me at 
vtcomedy.com all the time. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Check out our website at themacgyverpod.com and all our socials. It's all at themacgyverpod. And if you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you've only got one left this season. You can check them out on Paramount Plus or Amazon Prime. Next week, we're going to be covering the season finale of season three. It's called Murderer's Sky. Take care, everybody. And remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends friends are are the adventures adventures of life. life.